Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, We're going to jump right in this morning. Last week we started a new series we do every year called You Asked For It. And last week we talked about prayer and talking to God. So we talked about expanding our prayer life so that it includes prayers of faith, prayers that require a powerful response uh, from God. One of the things that we said in that uh, was that uh, we'll never fully recognize the power of prayer unless we pray for things that require a powerful response. So that was my challenge to you is just to begin praying for things where the odds are not already in your favor that it's going to happen, but where God has to move so that we give God the glory. Amen? All right. Uh, Today we're going to continue this series, uh, and I'm going to talk about something that I usually try to avoid at all costs, uh, but uh, it's a relevant topic and it was requested, so I'm going to talk about it, and you're going to find out what that is in just a minute. Uh, But before I start with that, I want to start in John chapter 17. Uh, John 17 to me is one of the most revealing uh, passages in all of scripture. Uh, It's John 18 where Jesus is arrested in the garden. So John 17 uh, is where he prays before his arrest. So he is, uh, he, he knows that his time has come. In fact, John 17 begins with Jesus saying, uh, Father, the time has come. Jesus knows that the cross is, is right there on the horizon. Uh, and he, he shows us uh, his heart. He just pours out his heart in prayer. He begins by praying uh, for his own relationship with God. He says, Father, glorify me Uh, in your presence with the glory that you and I had before the world began. So he prays uh, about himself and the Father, and then he turns his attention to the disciples, to his followers. And he says, Father, uh, uh, I will remain in the world no longer, but they're going to be here, and I'm just crying out, God, that you protect them uh, because uh, they're going to be sheep among wolves. And he, he prays protection. And then what happens with the cross on the horizon right around the corner Jesus in the garden turns his attention uh, to anyone who would ever believe because of their message. Now, uh, if you're not uh, good with kind of following the path, that would be you. Uh, Jesus in the garden, before he goes to the cross, turns his attention to you and to me and to his church. And that's what I want to read in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. He goes on to say, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, Jesus is in the garden, the cross is on the horizon, so he is pouring out his, part, his heart And the very first thing that he prays when he turns his attention to you and to me is that there would be unity. And for all the things he could have prayed for, it's almost like he could see something coming. Uh, Because I believe one of the defining characteristics of our nation today is division. Uh, There is uh, an abundance Uh, of division. And I've said this before, uh, anytime we are surrounded by anything in this world, it is so easy to get pulled into it. And we find this in the church. Uh, Just in America alone, there are more than 200 different denominations in the church. Um, If if you don't like what someone teaches, you go find the denomination that does. Uh, Somebody actually called me a few weeks back 
and they had a laundry list of questions to make sure we agreed on every uh, point. When we got to the end of the conversation, this is no joke, I said, you need to just plant your own church. <laughs> I said, you're not going to find anybody that agrees with everything you've just asked me. But that's what happens in America. We just start a new denomination, and now, as many of you are aware, the denominations are even splitting up. And uh, I just want you to know, uh, you do not have to agree with me on everything to come to this church. I am perfectly okay with you being wrong. So come <laughs> every week. Uh, no, my, my goal, I always want to be teachable. I ask you to be teachable. Uh, my goal every week when I'm studying is to make it so that if you are disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with the word of God. Uh, I have no agenda in this church other than to preach the word of God. So uh, if, if you ever, I, I invite you, uh, if you ever hear something that throws up a red flag, talk to me. I don't want to ever lead anyone astray. So I, I try to come straight from the word of God, and that's what I'm trying to do today. The challenge we are up uh, against in our culture is our culture says you cannot be different from someone without being against them. So to be different from someone means that you are against someone. And last month we asked the question, what are we surrounded by in the world today? That was one of your top answers. We are surrounded just by division in the world today. And today I'm going to deal with a card, uh, uh, you asked for a card that, that deals with that question. It says, how do we loving, lovingly navigate relationships with people where there is cultural, spiritual, and specifically political division? Uh, and as I mentioned uh, before, I typically try to avoid anything just with the word politics in it. It's kind of like walking through a minefield. Uh, but because it is so relevant today, I want to approach it from a, a biblical uh, point of view and hope that I don't blow up. So in Psalm chapter 103, uh, David says this. He says, as high as the mountains or as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And uh, there, I, I read this quote that said that the love of God is like the Amazon River flowing to water one flower. It's so, so overwhelming. And I love this passage of scripture. The next one's one of my favorites too. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. This is this beautiful picture of the grace of God and what has taken place to you spiritually if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins, your mistakes, your failures are as far as the east is from the west. And I don't know if there's a better picture of the political divide in our nation today either. We are as far apart as the east is from the west. I wrestled so much this week over whether to even enter this topic. But again, because it's so relevant, I wanted to do my best to bring the word of God into it. So I figured since Emily and I won't be here next week, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about it and we'll leave the state, all right? Uh, I'm not talking today about the, uh, Democrats versus Republicans. I'm not talking about conservatism versus liberalism. I'm talking about the biblical response to political division. And I'm actually a little bit excited about this because I was not aware until this week of the atmosphere of political division that Jesus stepped into. Uh, actually, when Jesus stepped onto the earth, uh, there was incredible division 
politically, and that's what I want to show you, and then I want to show you how he responded to it. So for a few minutes, we're going to talk about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we, we think of them as the religious establishment of Jesus' day, but in Judaism, we have to remember that their law was grounded in their religion. Uh, so religion and politics in Jewish culture were not two topics that occasionally overlapped. They were actually one and the same. Uh, if you remember uh, when the, the Pharisees came to Jesus with a woman caught in adultery in John 8, and they said, the law says to stone her. What they said to Jesus was, hey, we are presenting this idea of a legally justified execution based on what law? Based on the law of Moses. There, there was no two separate laws. The, the law of Moses was the law they lived by. There wasn't religion and then culture. They were one and the same. So when we often think about the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees, we kind of lump them into this one group, just the religious leaders, the religious establishment. Uh, but actually, a better description would be these were the two primary political parties of their day. And actually, uh, in various passages, the Bible calls them the party of the Pharisees and the party of the Sadducees. I want you to see that there was uh, great division between these two groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, when they wanted to get rid of Jesus, they shook hands. You know, it was for the greater good. They, they shook hands to get rid of Jesus. But at their core, fundamentally and, and philosophically, uh, there were, were a lot of differences. Uh, the, one of the biggest was the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees said there's no such thing. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in miracles, heaven, hell, angels, demons. And the Pharisees said, yeah, all that is real. That does exist. Uh, the Pharisees believed that you could interpret Scripture. You could teach Scripture. The Sadducees believed you could only read it verbatim. There was no interpretation. There was no teaching it, but only reading it. And then the Pharisees would have been more for common people. It was uh, just uh, middle class. The Sadducees were the aristocrats. They were the wealthy, the ones that then polit political leadership and uh, often military leadership. And I will say all of this is, is against the backdrop of Roman rule. So that adds another element that we're not going to get into today. Uh, but what really connects the atmosphere of that day to what we are facing today uh, is... It wasn't just a difference of beliefs and leave it at that. It was a difference of beliefs that had made its way into animosity. Uh, I will not tolerate you disagreeing with me. To be different is to be against. So what we have in Jewish culture is we have two primary political parties that are deeply divided based on their fundamental beliefs that has reached the point of animosity. Now, just in case that didn't sound familiar, I'm going to say it one more time. We have a culture and a society with two primary political parties. And because of their fundamental belief differences, they have reached a point of animosity. I actually want to show you real quick the level of animosity with these two. Uh, in the book of Acts, in chapter 21, Paul, at this point, has led thousands to Jesus Christ. Now, 
the Pharisees are outraged because Paul is teaching that you are no longer bound by the law, but you're under the grace of God. Now, the law is everything to the Pharisees. You don't say that. Well, the Sadducees on the other side of politics, they're furious because Paul is teaching the resurrection of the dead. Jesus rose from the grave. So both sides of the political spectrum are angry with Paul. And Paul comes into Jerusalem, and the Bible says they, they actually seized him, and they, they closed the gates of Jerusalem so that he wouldn't be able to escape, and they begin beating him with the intent of killing him. And the Bible says that the, the Roman commander saw what was taking place, and uh, kind of in an effort to save Paul, they arrested Paul. And it says that at that point, their intent, and I think this is kind of funny, uh, I don't think Paul thought this was kind of funny, but it says that they planned on beating Paul until he told them while they, why they were beating Paul. It says they were going to flog him until he confessed why the, the Israelites were beating him. Uh, but Paul kind of threw up a flag. He said, you can't just beat me. I'm a Roman citizen. I was, I was born in Rome. So the Bible says then that they decided Paul would go before the Sanhedrin. To give you an image of the Sanhedrin, this is a, a Jewish court where you have the two political sides. You have uh, Sadducees on this side, Pharisees on this side. I don't know if you've ever watched like a confirmation hearing on C-SPAN where, uh, you know, some, somebody's coming into the political cabinet and the one side of politics is saying, you are the death of our nation. And the other side of politics is saying, you are the salvation of our nation. And it's just the, the divide right down the middle because there is no middle ground. You, th this nation, everything is so political. Masks are political. Vaccinations are political. COVID is political. Everything you can talk about has been made political. So they say, if, if you don't stand here, you're far left. Or if you don't stand here, you're far right. And there is a wedge being driven in our culture. Paul was facing this, this type of situation where there was so much anger over what had taken place. And I want you to see what happens. Paul... Uh, it's kind of funny. He, he provokes the situation a little bit. Let's just read in, in Acts chapter 23. Uh, Paul is before the Sanhedrin. It says, Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others were Pharisees, so he sees like you, you got both parties. Paul, seeing this, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. So Paul, to provoke things, he, he says, Actually, I stand with this party over here, and I'm just here because I believe what that party believes. Now, remember, the Pharisees were angry with Paul for preaching against the, the law of Moses. But in verse 7, when Paul said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadduc Sadducees say there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels or spirits, or, and the, but the Pharisees believe all these things. Then it says there was a great uproar and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? So now that Paul has claimed political allegiance to these guys, they're saying, we changed our mind. This guy's okay. 
Then we get to the next verse. It says, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him back into the barracks. Do you see what is happening here? These two sides are ready to tear one another apart, so much so that they're afraid Paul is going to be killed in the middle of them, based on a difference of fundamental beliefs. Because you cannot have different beliefs. You only have beliefs that are against my beliefs. And the danger here is the wedge is growing deeper. The, the, the media tells us to hate the other side. And then the wedge is driven deeper. And, and even politicians tell us, don't tolerate what the other side is doing. So here we are in church reading the Bible, and it's not telling us to tolerate the other side. It's saying love the other side and then serve the other side. Jesus said in Luke uh, chapter 6, if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? He said everybody does that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Everybody does that. Our goal isn't to tolerate anyone. Our goal is to convey the love of Jesus Christ to everyone. Now, to be clear, Jesus, he didn't bend on the truth in order to do this. But Jesus' point in life wasn't to prove anyone wrong. You know, to, it, it that wasn't his goal in life, I should say, just to prove how wrong you are on your stance on these issues. Jesus was there to reach every person, to seek and to save the lost, to love them and to bring them to the knowledge of God. If we consider for a moment just that political atmosphere that Jesus stepped into with this division between the two sides, one of the questions that would have been asked of Jesus is, what faction does he fall into? And what would Jesus be today? Would he be a Republican or a Democrat? Don't answer. <laughs> they would have asked the same question then. Is Jesus a Pharisee? Is Jesus a Sadducee? And if you look at the, the fundamental beliefs, that philosophy, you would say, well, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection of the dead. They believe in miracles and they believe in, in, in angels and demons. So uh, Jesus uh, theoretically fits into the category of a Pharisee. But when it came down to it, Jesus responded in a different way. He said, my kingdom actually is not of this world at all. And it's so easy to get caught up with the notion that this is our world. This, this is our kingdom. This is where we belong. When Jesus taught this, no, actually, this isn't our home. This isn't our kingdom. We're to be spiritually minded people, kingdom of God first. Uh, I'm not telling you don't be involved in politics, and if, if we were near an election, I would encourage you with everything I have to go out and vote. So I'm not telling you uh, 
not to identify with a political party. I, I want you to hear this, though. There is a difference between identifying with a political party and finding your identity in a political party. There is a difference between identifying with a political party and finding your identity in a political party. And that line is sometimes hard to walk. Jesus, Jesus aligned with one of the parties in terms of their beliefs. He refused to be identified by it. He identified himself with the kingdom of God first. And that's what we have to learn to do as the church, to identify yourself as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ before any political affiliation. Now, how do we navigate uh, this divide between the two sides? Uh, some of us, it's in our family. It begins with your heart before their heart. Navigating the political divide first starts in your heart before it goes to their heart. Jesus had this disability. That was disability, not disability. Okay. Jesus had an ability to see the individual and, and to see the heart and not the party. That's why it didn't matter if Jesus saw a Pharisee or a Sadducee. The ultimate goal was to convey the unconditional love of God. Jesus was willing to be misunderstood, to be accused, to be judged for befriending prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and people who were so far from his, his mindset when it comes to beliefs. Are we as the church willing to go as far away from our political beliefs as necessary to convey the love of Christ, not for the purpose of convincing hearts, but for the purpose of loving and conveying the love of God? Jesus, he went to people like Simon the Zealot. Now, the Bible says he had a disciple named Simon the Zealot. Uh, the Zealots were another political party, uh, and their their faction was opposed to the Romans and wanted to see the overthrow of the Roman government. Jesus went to, to that guy because he didn't care about the politics. He cared about the heart. And then Jesus went to Matthew. Now, Matthew was a tax collector who basically worked for the Roman government. He was about as far away from Simon the Zealot as you could possibly be. And he said, I have a calling for your life as well because he saw the individual, not the political affiliation. And then he went to Paul. Paul was a Pharisee. And he said, I have a calling for your life because I'm not calling the political affiliation. I'm calling the individual. Place the kingdom of God above your political affiliation. We are Christ followers first. We don't find our identity in our political party. And then here's the next key. We don't find the identity of others in their political party. So you may be talking to someone. Renee, you can go ahead and come. 
You may be talking to someone who is as far removed as possible from your political beliefs. That's not their identity. And Jesus had the ability to see past that they were pro this and pro that and pro this, where you, it's as far away from you as you can be. Jesus could see past it and see the heart and see that they still have a calling and they still have purpose. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not just the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers. Paul said, make every effort in you to keep the unity uh, with the brothers, the unity of the spirit. We should be a people pursuing peace. Jesus called us to love people, to love our enemies, not just to tolerate them. So what if we made it our agenda to love people and not to convince them of our stand? The Bible says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not God telling us over and over and over every single thing that's wrong with us and the way we do things. We could learn something. the people that we're talking to are way off. But maybe the way to reach them is not to tell them over and over and over all the reasons that they're wrong. But maybe it's kindness and serving and loving without any expectations that God is calling us to. Maybe that's what will change lives and hearts. Jesus said something that I want to say to you this morning. Simply seek first the kingdom of God. And the political atmosphere in our nation right now, it's bad. <laughs> and what has taken place over the last few years is so many this filter or this lens of we have politics and we have the kingdom of God. And what has taken place is, is without even knowing it, we have flipped the two. So that I am a Republican first, Christian second. I would never say that, but that's the reality. I'm a Democrat first, a Christian second, without even knowing it. And Jesus said, no, seek first the kingdom of God. Can't help but think. You've heard people say before uh, the two topics to stay away from religion and politics. But do you know the one that people are willing to venture into a little bit more is politics? Even though we're not supposed to, we'll bring it up at the dinner table. What if we brought up Jesus Christ at the dinner table? What if we were as passionate about leading people to Jesus as we were as leading people to our party?
recognize how divided our nation is. And I pray that we would be a church and that we would be a people, God, who pursue unity and pursue peace and pursue, pursue you and your kingdom. telling you to not be political or not identify with a political party. I am telling you, do not find your identity. I am telling you, do not find the identity of others. And I am telling you to be a Christ follower first. If there's anything you disagreed with there, I downloaded that entire message offline. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a quick uh, volunteer teachers meeting or uh, kids meeting in the back. See you next week. Well, I won't, but Brian will. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.